Hi, I'm Heather Taylor from Simplicity 2.0's podcast. For a while now, everyone's been talking about big data. There's only one problem with big data. It's big. As it turns out, it can be too big for mere humans to analyze properly. That's where artificial intelligence, or AI, comes in. Using technology such as machine learning and predictive analytics, companies can get better measures of the things that matter most to their business. The question then becomes, how capable are businesses of turning those metrics into action? Simplicity 2.0 is brought to you by Laserfiche, the elite provider of global enterprise content management software, which manages and controls information so you can empower employees to work smarter, faster, and better. So we're joined today by Anand Rao, PricewaterhouseCoopers Innovation Lead in Analytics and also Global AI Lead. So hello, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Heather. Great to be here. So I'm going to start off, just get right into the questions. So how are companies using AI technologies such as deep learning, reinforcement learning, and neural networks to improve their businesses today? Yeah, I would say that um, the companies are using AI in sort of two distinct ways. Uh, Of course, we have seen the wave of uh, digitization. So with the digitization, um, we we see it as sort of coming out of two uh, paths here. One is with the digitization comes more standardization. With standardization comes more automation. So a number of AI technologies are being used to automate things. So machine learning, natural language processing, robotic process automation, cognitive automation, all of them address that side of the standardization and automation, um, essentially resulting in efficiency gains and productivity gains. So that's one path of digitization. The other path of digitization and how companies use AI is with more data, you can personalize the experience more. So once you start personalizing the experience, So you have a much better uh, retention with customers, greater sale of products and services, uh, better experience for customers. So that obviously leads to more um, revenue, better margins, and so on. So we are seeing companies exploit both of these kinds of opportunities using machine learning, deep learning, and other types of AI. Fantastic. So... With these opportunities, what kind of technology do you need to pursue this? And what kind of human talent do you need to pursue this, uh, these opportunities? Yeah, let me, let me start with the human talent first. And in order to achieve these opportunities, uh, we are increasingly seeing uh, people, or at least I should say teams, that have three specific types of capabilities. And it's the confluence or the intersection of all those three is the one that really leads to value for enterprises. So the first one is someone who understands the business domain, the problems that we are trying to solve uh, within the business. So it might be someone on the marketing side or someone in the operational side or the risk side, whichever side of the business, someone who understands uh, the business side. That's number one. Number two uh, is someone who is very much Uh, into the algorithms and the underpinnings of these algorithms, which tends to be uh, very much statistical, mathematical, optimization, operation research kind of knowledge. Uh, So very much the technical, statistical side or the mathematical side. So you need someone who understands that. So that's sort of the second. The third one um, 
is very much a, a, a computer science person or a hacking programming kind of skill set. And what you need is the combination of all these three talents. And increasingly, it's very difficult to find uh, one person that embodies all three of these. So typically, what enterprises have uh, started doing is pairing number of people together who together can have at least two out of these three. And as a team, they can function with this business knowledge with the statistical, analytical knowledge and the technology and the data knowledge all put together in order to solve these AI uh, kind of problems that we just talked about. Tell us about the technology now, because I mean, the human side, obviously, there's so much there, but then what do they need to really be successful? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the technology, what's also uh, happening in um, in the enterprises is that the technology that is needed for uh, doing this type of AI has changed substantially over the past couple of decades. And more and more of that is now available uh, on the cloud. So there are a couple of types of technologies that you need. So one is you need a lot of computing power to be able to do that. And with some of the cloud computing uh, technologies out there, you can essentially get this compute power as well as the uh, as the storage capacity very much on uh, pay by usage kind of basis. Uh, so that has essentially propelled a number of startups, a number of individuals to be able to do uh, pretty sophisticated types of modeling with very little ownership of computing assets. Uh, the other thing that people need. Um, obviously, they need to write the programs, the, the deep learning networks uh, or the code for natural language processing generation. They, someone needs to write the code. And that, again, has moved substantially over the past couple of decades where people are building on top of other people's software. So there are various kinds of tools and systems where and libraries where you're using other libraries, either large vendors or even independent researchers making their libraries uh, open, uh, and people are essentially using that to build their logic on top of it. Let me give you a simple example. So I've been in the industry for almost 30 years, and uh, in the 1990s, if I had to uh, build a program that takes in, let's say, a, a social media feed and tries to understand that, I would have gone at least for a few months trying to understand English grammar. Um, Having done that, I would have gone and read a bunch of papers. Again, it will be very much papers written without the underlying code. Then I would have had to go and essentially program all of that rule by rule of English grammar. It would have taken me at least six months to a year to come up with something half decent in terms of trying to understand English language. Today, with the technology that's available, it is literally a single line in one of the packages, and I can pass an entire book, whatever be the size of the book, and send the machine to go and create what is called as a parse tree, and it will be done literally within seconds. And I would have the entire book transcribed as a graph of nouns, verbs, and uh, propositions, and so on, from which I can start working. So that's the difference, what would have taken me maybe uh, someone uh, in the field almost a year to do something is now literally a few seconds. 
Well, that saves a lot of time then, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously then, you know, not only, you know, saving time, but then there's, this is kind of new, these new initiatives, you are looking at things in, I think, a different angle and a different light. So what kind of new metrics and things that people, what do people measure now? And what are people looking at when they're looking at success when they're using AI? Yeah. So in, in one sense, um, I would argue that the metrics that we should be primarily concerned about, at least in the enterprise side, the enterprise AI side or the enterprise side, are very much the same business metrics that the businesses are uh, have always been working towards. So what I mean by that is if it's a marketing group, they're obviously always about acquiring more of their customers, retaining their customers, uh, potentially cross-selling. So all of the acquisition rates, retention rates, cross-sell rates, those are all very important. Of course, uh, how you do that using some of the AI you might go deeper, but the business metrics are the same metrics. Uh, same way if you go into finance, uh, you would have various metrics, both of efficiency as well as effectiveness, so reduction of risk, uh, for example, uh, uh, reducing the, the number of frauds and the both the volume and the value of fraud. All those metrics still remain. And what AI is doing and the different techniques of AI is doing is helping us make those metrics better, right? So same goes for labor productivity. And one could argue that by making the productivity better, it might even be eliminating uh, certain types of tasks and certain types of roles even. Uh, but I think what we should be primarily concerned about is the business metrics and how the AI is going to enable you to meet those business metrics better. Right. Now, this is kind of you know, taking a different um, step towards like back to, to people and back to, you know, these kind of new components, these new technologies, you know, these new ways of working that are being put into companies. Is there ever the risk of creating a digital divide? So where you have some staff who are capable of interpreting the data, working in this space, and then you have a lot of staff who are more still in those traditional roles. Now, is this a risk that companies can run and how do they overcome it? How do they you know, prepare for it as you know, there is this shift in what people are doing at work, how the workplace is changing itself? Yeah, no, it's a very good question and something that I think increasingly we are seeing companies uh, get, uh, get on the front foot on this. Uh, as you rightly said, so as more of these, uh, as we said, digitization and automation, and we call it augmentation, uh, happens, uh, the roles of people start changing. Of course, you would need more people who are more digitally savvy, analytics savvy, data savvy, and all of those. At the same time, there, there are instances where you can't take certain types of roles and retrain them to become suddenly your data scientist. So there is definitely one area where there is more demand and other, other areas where there is less demand for certain types of roles. So one of the things that uh, organizations have started looking as they move through this uh, uh, era of transformation and change is looking at it, the, the future, both from the future of work and as a result, the future of the workers. What types of skill sets do we need and how do we either train or retrain uh, the existing people to be, uh, not necessarily everyone uh, is a data scientist, but how can they start using 
some of the digital tools, some of the data and analytics? Uh, how can they start teaching the machines, right? So with machine learning, there's a number of uh, things that you need to do to essentially teach the machine so that it can learn faster and better. So how do you change existing roles into roles which are either um, relationship-based or people-based, or they are the roles are something which enables the machines to perform better or the AI to perform better. Uh, so that's what people are looking very much for as a talent, and both in terms of displacement of jobs and roles, and then looking at what are some of the ways in which the roles will be modified or what we like to call them as augmented with the AI, with the other digital assets. So what would those roles be and how should they change and how should be, people be retrained? And then there are definitely instances where there are new roles being created. What are those roles and how, as an organization, we can make sure that we are on the front foot in creating those roles and creating the opportunities for the people. So that's the, that, that's the third level in which uh, people are looking at uh, the whole notion of uh, jobs and roles within the large organizations. And now, once you have, you know, this kind of perfectly well-oiled machine of like getting, having the right people, having the right technology, and then getting the right insight, how do you change your business processes to incorporate all of these insights into your workflow to make sure that you're getting everything you can get out of having this perfect synergy of like technology and people? Yeah. Um, so I think once, once you have the different ingredients, uh, it's not just, um, I think, basically pulling the, the things together uh, to be able to generate the right insight. So what we are also seeing as companies do this well, uh, they are very, very likely to disrupt uh, their own industry or any adjacent industry. So the business model starts changing as they do these things more e effectively and efficiently. So uh, let me give an example. So if your, uh, if your business model, let's say, is structured uh, very much on the time of labor, there are a number of professions that, that are based around uh, the skill level or the knowledge level, expertise level of the person, and the, the, the more experience they have, the, the more the charge for that person. So professional services sort of fits that, uh, fits that type of role. And now um, everything is based around the business model of charging for time and charging for the knowledge that that person has built over, um, uh, over years. Now, if the machines are going to be helping more and more, that business model uh, pretty much collapses because you have the machine most of the time helping, not necessarily the most experienced, but it can even help the novice to come up to uh, a, a very much a sort of a midpoint or an average, um, which is much better than uh, any of the, uh, uh, the fresh entrants. So it's essentially raising the bar of what can be done. And that is a very much, a, you have a big fixed cost and almost negligible variable cost. So that changes the business model in terms of how people can compete. So 
what we would advise is as you get better at this, you should also be fundamentally looking not, not just on your talent, but also on your underlying business model. So AI at that point, from being very transformative, it becomes very disruptive. So it sort of goes to the heart of the enterprises in terms of how they are operating today. Again, there are a number of examples. So we have seen that happen uh, with respect to car share, ride share, and how that's sort of transforming uh, the notion of purchasing cars. Uh, again, we have seen the onslaught of um, uh, 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 e-retailers and what impact that's having on, on uh, uh, bricks and mortar retailers. So go industry after industry, uh, same thing is happening. Uh, once some of these players become very successful, they're completely transforming the business model on how they operate and, and threatening the incumbents. Right. Well, that was my last question for you. So um, I'm going to just say thank you so much. Um, this is Anand Rao from uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. So thank you for coming in to speaking with us. To coming in to speak with us today. Pardon me. <laughs> thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Um, so remember to add Simplicity 2.0 to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. Thanks to Laserfish for sponsoring today's episode. Learn more about Laserfish at laserfish.com backslash simplicity or follow on Twitter at Laserfish. Until next time, this is Heather Taylor for Simplicity 2.0.